You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. There were plenty of NBA experts and lots of NBA fans in California that were certain of one thing coming into the season. This would be the year we would get an all-LA Western Conference Finals in the NBA playoffs. Now, we sit here today with the Lakers done and the Clippers on the link on the brink of elimination. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, and Sarah, this is a, a weird time in L.A. to be a basketball fan because last night, for all of the, the hype and expectation and the wondering what would happen with the Lakers and their backs up against the wall, what we saw was A.D. came in, tried to get on the floor, tried to make an impact, couldn't, and then once he was gone, it was just a repeat of what we saw just a couple of nights before. The Lakers get absolutely crushed, and it has Lakers and Clippers fans a little nervous because the Clippers face their elimination possibility tonight. So it's not a good time to be an L.A. basketball fan. Well, the thing is, most of the fans in L.A. are one or the other. If you're a Lakers fan, absolutely a bad time. If you're a Clippers fan, you're celebrating the fact that the Lakers got bounced. And if you're a Clippers fan, you're very worried about tonight. If you're a Lakers fan, you are on the edge of your seat hoping to see the Clippers get bounced as well. There is such an animus between the fan bases of these two teams. Obviously, one fan base much bigger than the other. But you're right. It is surprising to end here in the first round. Um, maybe not so much for the paper clips, as we've started calling them, but for the Lakers. And absolutely today... Way more talk about the Lakers than the Suns. So let me get out ahead and just say congratulations to the Suns. Congratulations to (laughs) Devin Booker. I mean, getting a chance to watch this team get hit in the mouth with that Chris Paul injury and the way some of us, myself included, got so worried about this being a repeat of history that we sort of eulogized them early or we we felt so awful about the idea of another uh, playoffs loss to injury. And instead, Devin Booker goes, all right, let me throw you on my back, right? And Richard Jefferson was on the jump today and really pointed out that the reaction to that setback sets them apart. We're all going to have something in our games or our careers is something that we have to get better at, right? And with AD, it's not about basketball. It's not about talent. I'm sure it's not about teamwork. He's going to have to find a way to be more durable. Yeah, I like him too, Fitz, and I'm going to give him a ton of credit. And I'm also going to say, oh boy. Does this make you finally question whether LeBron is human and without that other superstar to carry the heaviest load, is it just an injury in a short season or have we seen the last of the best? Well, let's get to some Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. I think one of the more inspiring things about Phoenix to me is that we've spent a lot of time, and by we I mean the collective media, looking at the NBA saying, how do you get there? Like, What do you do to compete? How do you build a team from the ground up? And of course, CP3 is a huge part of of why the Suns are where they are. But realistically, this is a team over the last couple of years we've seen taken take huge strides forward and rely much on their youth coming together. So really a cool moment for the entire NBA to look at and say, okay, there is a path over here that the Suns are following and it happens. But in the meantime, part of the reason that that has happened in the mind of many is injury issues for the Lakers. Now, it's weird, and, and we'll get into it throughout the course of the show, Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, some of the things that may have be a factor to why the Lakers are done right now. But one thing we know is that AD not being able to go more than five minutes last night was a big part of why, and that raises a conversation about what the Lakers do moving forward, Sarah, because, you know, as Chris Bosch made it clear that there's one thing AD needs to work on, not on the court, but it's what he needs to work on that will really impact his future and the Lakers' future. 
There were so many questions about, well, Devin Booker answered some questions in the bubble, but can he be a playoff performer? Then when you get to the playoffs, how do you play in the playoffs? And he played extremely well. He played with a sense of urgency. We saw his first quarters. We saw his first half. He came out like an individual that was going to set the tone, especially when his player was down. You hear that, other guys? When a star player like Chris Paul gets hurt, everyone needs to look around and play with a sense of urgency, and Devin Booker did that. I really do like this Suns team. That's such a weird logic to me, Sarah, because the concept of finding a way to be more durable, like I I don't know that I really buy that a player can come in and suddenly figure out how to be uh, less injury prone. Like we, we say that all the time, but it's not like it's always in the hands of the player. It isn't always. No, sometimes you have terrible bad luck. And we've seen plenty of players that, um, unfortunately, the old adage of the best predictor of future injuries is past injuries, right? And I'm not going to get into my kinetics, my kinetic change spiel all over again. But we do understand how when you have imbalances or if you have weak or flawed parts of that chain from previous injuries, you are more likely for other parts to not work correctly and to be prone to get hurt in the future. And that can be fixed in some ways by diet, by discipline, by off-season workout regimen, what we heard, for instance, um, with Joel Embiid this year. But then you look at the fact that He's questionable right now with an injury in the year that he spent the most time, money, and dedication to getting his body right. Sometimes it is just bad luck. But I think what Chris Bosh is probably getting at, maybe he's got more information than we do about how Anthony Davis spends his free time, right? One thing I will say is we've spent a lot of years talking about LeBron James dumping millions of dollars into his body, and this is the first year he has had any any kind of injury that seriously affected his play. In, what is it, 17 seasons now? I mean... There are certainly players that are renowned for taking care of themselves, and then there are others that you hear the whispers about the partying or too much sugar or things like that that have a tendency to not be able to recover as quickly. Well, and you make a fair point, by the way. That's some straight talk, straight talk, wireless, no contracts, no no compromise. We don't know what guys are doing off the court, and Chris Bosh may. I think I always look back to this like, you know, I'll use a music example because of my past. Like, Barbara Streisand is sort of famous for, you know, she carries around the little uh, the little board that's, you know, she's on vocal rest and she takes care of her voice and makes sure that everything is absolutely perfect. And if the humidity is not right, she may not be able to sing. And then you've got somebody like Axl Rose that's out there doing everything wrong and he's still fine after all these years of doing everything well, wrong. Well, his voice like, isn't quite what it used to. Well, and neither, I mean, is his, uh, neither is his wind. Having seen him in the more recent tour, I was like, I'm going to need you to stop running and just focus on the singing. Oh, yeah. I don't no, think I definitely didn't want to see fat I think the better the example pants. would be the Rolling Stones. Okay. We'll keep going I, with I Rolling Stones. I mean, at Stones. this point, they've probably essentially, uh, you know, treated their bodies with so much alcohol that it's like, uh, what's the what's that like formaldehyde yeah, that they for, use for, for like dissecting yeah, yeah. frogs? Yeah. I think they're basically just embalmed at this point, which might be why they're still functional. But that's an example, right? It's not going to be the same for everybody. Right. And I think that's the biggest thing. Like, so, yes, if we're going in with the presumption that AD is not doing everything on his own that he should be doing, then that's something he can actually impact. My fear is that AD is just injury prone. And mm-hmm. if that's the case then that is a real issue the Lakers are going to have to figure out moving forward because LeBron isn't going to be able to carry this team by himself, which means they'll have to find somebody else to come in. But they don't have a lot of assets to go in and try and find that missing piece. So the Lakers are sort of backed into a corner where if this is something AD can fix, then, boy, he needs to learn by example from LeBron quickly. Otherwise, they're going to have to look around as an organization and say, oh, my God, what did we do? And do we have enough firepower to compete moving forward? Completely agree. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz.
I think there are some that are too quickly closing the door on this Lakers team, but there are certainly big questions for them to be asking themselves, and we'll get to that later. Those who are truly saying it's over are ready for this team. Clippers hoping it's not over tonight, Fitz, and I'll just quickly say that I don't see an opportunity for them to win tonight, despite those two games where they looked really good. And I realize that the last time I said that the Clippers were done, finally giving up on them, they won two in a row and looked really good. But I feel like after the performance we saw Luka put on in the last game and knowing the fragility mentally of this Clippers squad, I see them falling behind early and I see the Mavs putting him away. This feels like a Rocky movie for some reason. Like, Luca seems to be the hero, and every time he's down on the mat, he just lifts up, right? right? I mean, it just it feels like that's the inevitable ending coming tonight. But I'm here for it because he's fun to watch, and I want him to continue in the playoffs. That game, by the way, you can check out on ESPN tonight. We're a short Spain and Fitz, only taking it at 8.30 because we're going to get you some NBA playoff action coming up. Speaking of the NBA, massive problems in Portland. The question is, will Dame remain? We'll answer it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Really, just so you guys know what we do during the commercial, Sarah and I are just sending pictures of our dogs to each other. That's that's what we're doing. <laughs> and uh, I got to admit, uh, Sarah, this one is absolutely cracking me up. So, uh, I'll just, post it to Twitter. I'll I mean, post it to Twitter. The world it's needs solid. to see this. It's it solid. Is, it never well gets done. old. <laughs> ESPN Radio presented by Progressive's Home Insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. Uh, A lot of controversy comes anytime a team is eliminated before some think that they should be. And that's what's happened to Portland as, yet again, uh, a team that you and I have both admitted openly, we we find ourselves rooting for, uh, finds themselves done after the first round of the playoffs. And it creates a real conversation of what's next. That, that's a difficult question to answer and one we don't usually focus on on this show because there's so much time to figure that stuff out. But Dame did something rare in speaking, essentially, and uh, whenever he says something that's not flowery, it's it's alarming to some people. So when Dame comes out and says, hey, I don't know what shakeup's going to result in, but we didn't, we're not a championship team, so there will be shakeup, it suddenly creates this great chaos. So, Sarah, did you, when you heard Dame's comments, did it make you suddenly think that Dame's one foot out the door? Well, it wasn't the comments so much as the sort of, cryptic Instagram post that I think really set people off. And if you wanted to assume that it was a dramatic statement, you easily could. He quoted Nipsey Hussle, how long should I stay dedicated? How long till opportunity meet preparation? I hear that as somebody who is incredibly frustrated, is posting in the moment after elimination, has done all he could, didn't get the help he was looking for, not necessarily someone who's going to go back on the many times he has reiterated that he wants to be in Portland, that he wants to win and have a parade down the middle of Portland. To me, it's a guy who needs the help, and he's asking for changes either at the coaching or, or, or roster or front office. And, you know, Tim Legler actually agreed with me on that one. To be honest with you, that was kind of tame in regards to what some guys might have posted if they've been through what Damian Lillard has year after year, being on an underdog team despite being one of the best players in the NBA and going home in the first round season after season and sitting back for six weeks and watching your colleagues and your peers and guys you know you're on the same level with make long runs, win championships, get parades, all that stuff. So I wouldn't read too much into it right away. That's a frustrated Damian Lillard, exasperated in some regards, and and an envious one as well because he knows what he's about to watch with some of these other teams. Having said that, what he talked about, you know, when is opportunity going to meet preparation? Well, honestly, for you, Dame, 
opportunity meets that preparation you're putting in when you play with another superstar. And if you think you're going to get one to come to Portland, I'm not sure that that's going to happen. I love C.J. McCollum. C.J. McCollum is a really, really good player. He is not a superstar. Damian Lillard needs another legitimate superstar next to him to have a viable shot to make a deep playoff run. Spain and Fitz, maybe what he needs to do is buy somebody a beer. Everybody's got a cousin from Boston who forgets their wallet at dinner but never forgets a sixer of refreshing Sam Adams. Cheers to that, to Boston Beer Company, Boston, Massachusetts. Savor the flavor responsibly. And Sarah, I think Legs makes a good point. There's a very human element to elimination for an athlete, and we, we have all eyes in such focus on how they handle it and what they say. But realistically, many would have said far harsher right. things right. than what Dame said in that process. Yeah, I mean, there are moments that you can point to, and knowing what we know, you could say that was definitive. We all knew it. For instance, the first time LeBron left Cleveland, took off the jersey as he's walking off the court, no longer representing Cleveland with seconds remaining on the clock. That one felt inevitable. In this case, and, you know, yesterday we were talking about this on the show, and I I dove into a handful of different stories from Portland-based folks, and the impression that I got was that every time something goes wrong, the national media rushes to tell Dame to leave. No matter how many contracts he signs, <laughs> no matter how many times he says flat out, I want to win here. I want to be here. And that's frustrating because we criticize guys for not being loyal enough and for ring chasing and for super teams. And then we also criticize guys for being too loyal if we don't think they have a fair shot at playing at the highest level. And that's inevitable for sports fans. We're going to be fickle like that. But I think in Dame's case, instead of spending all of our energy telling him to leave the place that he wants to be with a program that he loves, we focus our our eyes on where the problems are. And, you know, I'm a huge Terry Stotts fan. He's come on the Mm. show a bunch. He's a really great dude. But some folks in that area will tell you he might be a little bit too much of a player's coach. He might not be hard enough on the guys, and it might be time to have a different voice. I think between... Him and the sort of question marks around who's really running this team, who's really making the biggest decisions, and are they making the right decisions? I think there need to be some massive, massive off-season changes there. One of them for me is not forcing Dame out. And there's a story in um, NBCSports.com by Dwight James. The Blazers and Damian Lillard need help, and it's likely on the way. And he does point out that there's a handful of other teams with not a lot of help, and they're able to advance despite it. You know, there's Jokic advancing without Jamal Murray. There's the Mavs going, getting by on the shoulders of Luka. Uh, in Phoenix, Chris Paul is averaging under 10 points a game with the injury, and Devin Booker is putting up almost 50 and getting it done. That's not to say that any of those teams aren't deserving of massive credit or to say that any of those rosters don't have good players on them, but it's easy every single time the Blazers fall short to simply point the finger at everybody and then hold up Dame because of his greatness. That's part of it. But is Terry Stotts getting the most out of his players? You know, is the front office figuring out the best pieces that fit instead of just good players? He does need help. But I would much rather see that help come to him in Portland than tell people, you know, he should go to the Knicks, right? Which we've already heard people saying, you know, the Knicks are calling already. Can we slow our roll with a guy who's told us over and over he wants to stay? Especially for the organization, Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. You got to look at some point at what they're trying to accomplish and what their objectives were this season. And I think it was the athletic that smartly pointed out that a coach had been given two uh, specific things that they wanted benchmarks this year 
for Portland. One was get out of the first round of the playoffs, and two, improve the team defense. Well, defensively, they were still near the bottom of the league, so that didn't happen, and we all saw what happened in the playoffs. So at some point, you have to look around and say, what's the one thing you can fix easily, uh, the easiest, I should say, for, for an NBA team? It's not replacing superstars. When you have household name superstar players that are near the top at their position in the league, you keep those. But you can change coaches because we see that happen all the time. To get a new voice in seems like an easy solution and the very least of what Portland should be considering. Again, nothing against coach particularly, but just looking at it and saying, okay, this obviously isn't working. And, you know, we had the conversation a couple of days ago about Boston. And for all the change they're making, you still have to look at the rest of the East and say, well, where do they fall? Portland's got to answer those same questions looking at the rest of the West and saying, how do we compete if the Lakers are healthy with them, if the Clippers can continue with them? How do we compete with Utah and Denver? Like, you have to really look in the mirror, but also look at everything around you and say, what are the easy things we know could maybe give us a jolt? And a coaching change, right or wrong, seems, Sarah, like it's an easy first step for them. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, represented by Progressive Insurance, agreed. And I also think, can they try to pull something off like Milwaukee? Can we try to see some of these smaller market teams go grab a, a star? You know, grab a star from somewhere else. I, I I got frustrated, and shout out to to one of our regular listeners who pointed this out today. The idea that every single year when a big big market team gets bounced, everyone's like the ratings are going to suck. Like, fine, then just just turn the entire NBA into five teams and only play those. If that's how we're going to act every time, right? Instead of being enthusiastic about fresh blood, young superstars, if we're going to complain every time when we don't get the same three big name teams, what are we doing really? Right. And so let's turn Portland into a destination. It's a great place to live. It's a good team. You're playing alongside a superstar. Like let's push for that instead of pushing for him to leave a small market team that we would like to see succeed. You're so right in the conversation. Every time is we hate super teams and we want to see more interesting things And the NBA is too predictable. And then it's like, but nobody wants Utah Milwaukee in the final. It'll be terrible for ratings. Like you can't win uh, at this point. At NJ Devastator is the one who said it. So shout out to him. Yeah, and a, and a solid point. All right, well, all of this is going to lead to a ton of speculation of what's next for Dame, what's next for Portland. So up next for us, we'll head over to the Goodyear Hotline where we'll talk to somebody that knows the West Coast, knows the NBA, and knows Dame personally at a level we can get some expertise on. That's coming up next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz, happy Friday. It's Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. Joining us now on the Goodyear Hotline to talk a wild couple hours, uh, days in the NBA, Mark J. Spears. And we've got, you know, so many things to cover, but let's start with the obvious one, which is the takeaways from the Lakers season ending. I don't want to get into legacy. LeBron has done more than enough to have a secure one. But are you of the mind that many others are saying slash screaming today that the window is uh, is no longer open for this Lakers team? It's not about a bubble hangover. Um, it's really about talent. Uh, I think it's more about health. Because I, I really feel like if this team was healthy, then, you know, uh, we're, we're probably having a different conversation. Um, so I, I I don't think it has anything to do with with the ta- the talent from LeBron's standpoint and, and Anthony Davis's standpoint. I mean, they're, they're both playing at a very, very high level. 
before the injuries came, the Lakers actually had a, a twenty-eight and thirteen record. Like, mm-hmm. think about that and how dominating it, it it was. So I think we forget um, that that wasn't that long ago, which was that was like March, right? So um, no, I mean it. That's the sad thing about the playoffs is. What you have on paper doesn't necessarily mean it's going to transfer to reality. And, um, you know, we uh, a week ago we probably thought it was a done deal that the Lakers were going to win that series. And then once Anthony Davis got hurt, it, it was a wrap. And um, as great as LeBron is, he needed Anthony Davis to win that series. So they go into this offseason. Like, what's the reasonable sort of expectation for them? I know they're going to tinker with the little pieces, but – I mean, realistically, do they just hope that they get healthy and run it back? Um, I mean, when you're the Lakers, um, you could always get a marquee free agent. You could always make a trade. Everybody would be intrigued by that phone call. So they could work some magic that others can't just from being the Lakers alone. And obviously having LeBron James – there's uh, uh, somebody that's the star of the team is, is, is something that's very attractive as well. So um, I don't um, anticipate them not having interest from people wanting to play there. I think they'll just be, they'll be fine. Um, but, you know, they're going to have to make some hard decisions with some of those guys. You know, is, is Schroeder really the answer at point guard? Should they have not let Ronda go? Should they have? So I think they got to really, the front office probably has to really look at itself and ask if they gave LeBron and AD the best supporting cast to uh, to repeat as champions. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, we're talking to Mark J. Spears. Yeah, Schroeder didn't do himself any favors probably trying to go get more money because uh, he didn't necessarily improve his stock with this with this series. You know, I was arguing with uh, Courtney Cronin last night, or maybe it was the night before. Either way, she was talking about how she thinks the Knicks are a great destination because of New York and Tibbs and, you know, their re- return to relevance. I think there are a handful of much better places if somebody is looking to make a move. Uh, where do you think uh, is is the best, like, on on the fringe spot that a, that a starting player looking to be a part of a championship run uh, might be interested this off season. Huh. That is a really, really good question. I'm, I mean, I'm trying to join the Warriors. Right. <laughs> right. Like, Get Clay back you know and look at I mean? Steph. Yeah. Clay's back. Wiseman is going to be really, really good. He's back. Wiggins showed that as a number three guy, I think he could be quite impressive. And if Wiseman comes around. Maybe he becomes a number four guy. Then keep in mind that that the intriguing thing about uh, is a draft lottery, like who they end up getting. Um, I'm really excited to see that for the Warriors. It's, I believe it's on June 21st, but they could potentially have the fourth pick in the draft, and they have their own pick at 14. So they're going to add a couple young players. I think uh, free agents are going to be more intrigued. The ones that are – the minimum contract, mid-level exception free agents are going to be intrigued with going there um, because of all the people that are coming back. Obviously, Draymond Green is there as well. 
So to me, I I know the Warriors are going to make the playoffs, um, but I think when, if if you're confident that Clay is going to be back, that that will certainly be a very very attractive place for free agents next season too, other so, than the obvious ones. So speaking of free agents, Mark, I mean everybody's already talking about what Damian Lillard's going to do, and he's not even a free agent yet. Okay, so uh, with all eyes on Dame, where do you think he ends up next year? Knowing Dame like I do, you know, I wonder if the loyal to the fault is wearing out. But my my guess is with him that he's basically challenging the front office. I think Dame will stay if they improve the roster, right? And that's going to have to happen through trades. I don't know that it happens through free agency. Yeah, that's the unfortunately the challenge that comes with small market teams that aren't in the, you know, the, the luxurious places, it's, it's hard for them to get guys to come. But Milwaukee was smart, and they got Drew Holiday, right? And they, and they got P.J. Tucker, and they already had Middleton. And, you know, they they, they got Lopez in past years. So I, I think um, their, their, their front office has to do some work. They got to put the guys around Dame to make Dame think that he, think he could be a winner. So – in a lot of ways, I think their roster has been a smoke and mirrors roster. Like, Dame is so good and CJ is so good that they've made that roster look better than it is. And then you got their bigs can't stay healthy. So you can't depend on any of those guys. It, it, it's certainly going to be very difficult to turn that roster around. I even heard a rumor today about keep an eye on C.J. McCollum and whether they think they should do something with him. I mean, so, no, I, 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 that, that's the first time I've heard Dane say something like that. And I don't think he just says stuff to say stuff. But I, my guess is his first motive is to challenge the front office to do something major. And if they don't, perhaps it is time for him to, you know, push that button to go somewhere else. Spears with us here on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Yeah, I I think Dame was frustrated and and sad in the moment. To me, that was more about how do we keep doing the same thing and expect a different result than it was necessarily I'm going back on the contract I signed after the many, many, many times he's expressed his loyalty and his decision to stay. I do think it's about the roster, maybe also about the coach, though. We talked about this earlier in the show. You look at the quote-unquote help around the league for other teams that still manage to advance – it's not that much better, yeah. right? What Jokic is doing without Jamal Murray, what Luka is doing without a ton of talent around yeah. him, especially uh, what Devin Booker is doing with Chris Paul not be able to be himself. Well, I think right now everything's on the table for them, right? Um, but I also think that the general manager doesn't – he gets a pass all the time too. Like, I mean, you yeah, can only coach sure. who's there. And, um, like, Nurkish to me isn't – I guess he's a starter when he's healthy. Um, I forgot the other dude's name, which uh, Collins, Zach Collins, can't stay healthy. Like, so they're, they're basically playing like two guards and a bunch of like reserves, you know? Like, uh, I mean, uh, obviously Melo is in, in the latter stage of his career, um, but I, I, I like Denver's roster better, even. With Jamal out, I like Dallas's roster better. Who's the other one you mentioned? 
Uh, well, let's see. Luca, um, the Suns. I mean, as much as as Chris Paul yeah, normally like, is like, great, I but, bet you, you know. I bet you, if you ask Dane, would he rather ride with his roster or or take one of those other three? He would take the other three. Hey, Mark, before we let you go, man, you've got an article out on The Undefeated right now about Gary Payton taking a job coaching uh, at Lincoln University in Oakland. I thought it was really interesting that he talks in the article about, you know, sort of the the the, the state of Oakland at sports in general and the amount of teams that are leaving, trying to sort of create something special there. Uh, what's what's that process look like for him in your mind of, of trying to establish a culture there? Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting because, man, I – Sir, I know you you're you you got a great sense of humor. You'll <laughs> you'll laugh at this. I was like, I lived in London in Oakland since two thousand nine. I've never heard of that school. <laughs> right? And it's like <laughs> uh, uh, like I had to literally like look it up and find where it was and and it's in downtown Oakland. It's like oh, okay, <laughs> like but I think what G P is buying in on is he knows something I don't know in terms of money invested in it. Because if you're just all of a sudden starting a football program and you're you're like football, right? If you're all of a sudden starting a, a, a basketball program and some doing stuff with some other sports, then there's somebody. It's a private school putting some mon- money behind it. Right. And I think what they learned today, just by saying they're associated with Gary Payton, now that school is known worldwide. Didn't even no one knew him in Oakland. Now the whole world knows him. So I think he didn't. You know, Gary is a very strong personality, and he's like, okay, I don't have to work under nobody. I could paint this canvas myself. I'm gonna get the resources. I'm gonna get some D1 schools. I'm gonna get Nike behind me. I'm gonna have some tough years in the beginning trying to, you know, build this thing. But ultimately, it's my baby. I think that's what attracted him to the job, and I'm really curious, like, five years from now, what he's able to grow it into and how much money they truly put into it to try to try to build this into some Gonzaga-type school. You guys can find the story on the undefeated.com. I love him mentioning the obvious, which, you know, the Raiders left, the A's want to leave, the Warriors have left, so giving something – to Oakland uh, and being in a space where people are, are hungry to have people stay put. Hey, Mark, appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate you, brother. Always a pleasure. Mark J. Spears brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Tune into an AL East battle Sunday as the Yankees host the Red Sox, presented by Credit Karma. Coverage of Sunday Night Baseball begins at 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, and at 7 p.m. on ESPN. Coming up next on Spain and Fitz, Bubble Trouble. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Taco, burrito, what's coming out of you, Speedo? You got trouble.
counting LeBron out from here on out. And I know as well as anyone that as soon as you start saying LeBron is done, that's when he'll win another title with, you know, two of his gardeners and, you know, two of his drivers on the court with him (laughs) or the equivalent of such. But this is what Stephen A. Smith said today on First Take. This season was the Lakers' best chance in the LeBron James era to get another chip. Now that it has faded, I believe it is over that the Los Angeles Lakers will be in the playoffs as long as LeBron James is there. They'll be formidable enough, but they will fall. Somebody will be there to knock them off. This was their best chance. They ain't getting any younger. LeBron James certainly ain't getting any younger. And I think that your best chance left last night. It's over. So that was actually on KJZ this morning. But the point remains, he thinks they're done. Meanwhile, there is only three teams out of the last eight still in it this year. All of the rest of the final eight NBA teams have already been bounced. And I do think we have to look at bubble trouble. The real effects of the bubble hangover, not just the mental fortitude it took to make a deep run last year, but the incredibly short offseason and turning back around and trying to make a run again. We already know, Fitz, how tough it is mentally to get yourself going for another run when you've got that ring on your hand. Adding in the short offseason, health, and everything else, I am not ready to close the door on the Lakers. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, and think about this. If the Clippers lose this series, this would be the third time under the current 16-team format that the conference finals, semifinals, is made up of two or fewer conference semifinalists from the prior season. Think about that. So only two other times have we ever seen this sort of playoff change, playoff turnover. And it speaks to the bubble, Sarah, as you were just mentioning. I mean, we can't put enough emphasis on it. For Stephen A to say the Lakers are done, I guess I'd say based on what? I mean, A, you can factor in player movement as a reason why rosters change every single year and the Lakers can reinvent themselves if and when they ever choose to. But B, more importantly, I mean, you could even look specifically at the series the Lakers just lost. They got beat by the Suns, and I'm not going to take anything away from what Phoenix did there. You and I have given them a lot of praise over the course of the show for what Phoenix did. But let's also remember that if Anthony Davis and LeBron were on the court together in that series, whenever they were on the court together, the Lakers uh, outscored the Suns by 14 points. So they were actually better than Phoenix when the two of them were on the floor. Why would we ever presume that health is just going to be the factor moving forward when it's an unpredictable factor at best? It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. A couple interesting stats that I saw that point to two things. One, absolutely a bubble hangover where some of the most successful teams last year had trouble getting back at it this year. And two, new superstars young superstars on teams that are fresh-faced because this is the first NBA Finals that we'll have without Steph or LeBron since 2010. And the team that's won the previous nine NBA titles have all been eliminated. Of the remaining playoff teams, the most recent one to have won the title is the Mavericks in 2011. There is a whole new crop. And now a lot of that's Warriors and Cavs and whatever, but all of the teams that have won of late are out. And I do think that it matters that we had an incredibly short offseason to grow into any new acquisitions and offseason changes and also to get your body right. I heard Legs saying today that he felt like the Lakers kind of got what they deserved because they treated this like a 72-game exhibition. Like, well, we'll get it figured out for the playoffs. They just didn't have time. Here's uh, Legs also talking about 
the most important factor when we when we ask, are the Lakers done? It's not just, is LeBron too old to be your number two? It's, is Anthony Davis too fragile to be your number one? This is Anthony Davis's history. You have to know it. And if you're talking about a long-term contract for mega money, yes, there's absolutely concern. If you're LeBron James, if you're the Lakers, about his availability when you're going to need him most. There is no question that that is that is fair to think of Anthony Davis in those terms. Hmm. I, I mean, absolutely, a thousand percent when you're talking about invested money moving forward. But I also think that we're just forgetting that in a weird year with the bubble, Anthony Davis was able to maintain his health. I mean, if there's ever been a time last year that you could have seen reason for fall off, he wasn't a part of it. Now we have a historically short off season followed by the marathon of the NBA season. And we're stunned that some of these teams are battling injuries. I'm not. I think, I think this would be a much more fair conversation in a year after AD gets a very long break at this point. So does LeBron. They get the opportunity to get healthy. They won't have to play until October. Now they get the time that they need to get themselves right. If there's still a problem after that, then yeah, you can continue to look at it as an issue. But uh, I, 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 I'm looking at this thing. So much of it feels reactionary, even legs take that. They dismiss the regular season. Well, that certainly didn't hurt Brooklyn. Like Brooklyn right. gave the regular season no value whatsoever throughout the course of this year. Too, well, and injuries. Still in it. It's also well, you're making those decisions based on health. And even up until the very end of the season, people were still arguing about whether or not the Lakers should be resting LeBron and AD down the stretch, even yeah, well, after missing all the games that they did, because that's how serious it felt like these injuries might be. Um, so keeping that in mind is important. And again, what we talked about in the last segment. Quit complaining about how predictable things are, and then when they're unpredictable, complaining about that. It's exciting to see some of these young superstars lead fresh new teams. It's just, it's, it doesn't have to be one or the other. We could still keep the door open for LeBron and AD healthy with a regular long offseason. By the way, we got Clippers at Mavs, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, following us right here on ESPN Radio at 830 Eastern. Speaking of young stars and fresh teams, like I said, the last to win it in 2011, though. So uh, plenty of time has passed since the Mavs made a deep run and Lucas trying to put him on his back to get it done. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Small business protection just got easier. With more than 30 coverage options available, Progressive has you covered. More at ProgressiveCommercial.com. John Barry joins us next. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests are going to join us on the Goodyear hotline. We're short tonight. That's right. You get to start your fry. Yay! A little Speak bit early. yourself. Uh, well, I mean, that's <laughs> Clippers oh, and short Mavs. show. Yeah, short, short show, show is what you meant. I'm Got sufficiently it. average. Thank you very much. <laughs> Five, nine and a quarter is I keep telling myself an average height. Quarter. And, yeah, you no, just said a quarter. Yeah, no. I, I used to be five, nine and a half, too. Like, there's nothing like that time you finally, like, you're at the doctor after you're 40, and, oh, you know, man. they put the little thing up to your head, and you realize that you're now five, nine and a quarter, but yeah. I'm going to cling to yeah, that Yeah, I'm almost as tall inch. as my dad now, and he used to be six four. Oh, wow. God, there's just, Thinking. you know, there's no doubt which one of us here is the enforcer and which one of us is just... <laughs> Here, holding on. I call you the skill guy, though. Either. Yeah, that's that's probably true too. Uh, You know, I'm the talker. I'm the I'm in the back. I'm just running my yapper. That's what it helps me in this career. There you go. Uh, Clippers at Mavs. By the way, game six tonight, eight thirty Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Uh, Look, all right. If we need somebody that's not only tall, smart. 
uh, capable of enforcing, also stylish and also better than me at everything. John Perry joins us uh, on the Goodyear Hotline. Uh, John's going to be on the call tonight. John, thanks for the time, man. I appreciate it. So a lot has been made about uh, this series and obviously Luka and uh, the greatness of Luka Doncic. So coming into game six, what do the Clippers need to do early to, to do a better job of slowing him down? Well, I think what you're going to see is Kawhi Leonard uh, guarding him and just trying to fight through screen and roll as best he can. Uh, anytime you put two guys on the ball with Luka, uh, he seems to make the right play, and, and he's gashed the, the Clippers. Uh, I mean, 31 of 37 field goals in the last game he accounted for. I mean, that's the best in playoff history. The best in history. So you have to live with one or the other. If he's going to get in the 40s, you can't allow him to get 14 assists. So what does that mean? you got to play him straight up and just do a better job. And, hey, Kawhi Leonard more than capable of doing that. It's uh, It's been interesting to see what looks like a strategy of letting Dacic eat and just keep others from getting involved. It hasn't worked, right? You'd like to think that one even spectacular player couldn't take out a Clippers team with elite wing defenders and two solid offensive options. It feels like Lou has to change things up and and say, let's just stop Luca and let everyone else try to beat us, right? Yeah, I mean, like you said, great wing defenders. Well, I thought they had them. <laughs> what right. happened? I mean, Kawhi, Paul George, Nicholas Batum, Pat Beverly can, is not even in the rotation anymore. Uh, Morris is a good defender, uh, and Luca's torched them all. Uh, but yeah, you know, you go back to the last game, 17 field goals for Luca, and he assists on 14 others. Uh, that just can't happen. And so it, it's got to be, look, I got to get somebody that can play this guy one-on-one and not allow Tim Hardaway Jr. to get open looks or, or, or Kleber, uh, their best shooters. Uh, I can't afford them to get looks. Look, Porzingis has not even really been much of a factor mm-hmm. in the series. He's getting 14 a game, but, uh, I mean, he took six shots in the last ball game. They've kind of taken him out. Uh, but somehow Luka has got to be slowed down, and maybe by throwing a bunch of bodies at him early, uh, he gets worn down and can't get it done in the fourth quarter, which he has struggled in the fourth. Six for 27 from the field in the fourth quarter in this series, but yet Dallas still leads 3-2. In Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, we're talking to John Barry, who's on the call tonight for Clippers at Mavs Game 6, 8.30 Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. So all of this conversation, John, trying to figure out what it means, you know, moving forward, not just for this series. So is the greatness of Luka at this point just about Luka, or is it about deficiencies with the Clippers? Well, he's awfully good. I mean, (laughs) it's the Clipper curse, as I was telling Sarah last time we talked, as she Mm -hmm. tries to jump on the wagon year after year. Yeah, I've Uh, given up. I'm off the well, wagon. I mean, look, they wanted, they didn't want the Lakers, and they should have wanted the Lakers mm-hmm. in the first round. That's oh when God, you yes. wanted them. The Lakers were not ready. They were obviously, you saw what happened to them in the last two ball games, uh, and Dallas, or I mean, the Lakers decided to lose a couple games to get the Mavericks. Uh, look, you can't take anything away from Luka. Uh, the Clippers had an opportunity to win three times at home, and they haven't done it. Uh, so it's a little bit of both. Uh, they have to play better defensively, and look, the Clippers have to make shots. They, how about this? They had nine players this season shot 40% or better from the three-point line. They have one right now in this series, and that one is Amir Coffey, who's one for one. Hmm. So none of their regulars are shooting the basketball from the three-point line like they need to be for them to win this playoff series. Yeah, you mentioned the Clippers' curse. We know how things have gone for them 
of late. Meanwhile, the Mavs have never lost a series in which they led 3-2. They're 8-0 all time. They've won three straight game sixes when leading a series 3-2. Last time they let it get to seven was back in 2006. So they're coming in with a head full of steam. Is it just in the end about Luka now? Is it not even about what the Clippers do? But if Luka gets his and just doesn't have an off night, then this team is better than what the Clippers have been putting out? Or do you look back to those two Clippers wins and and notice, hey, here's the thing that worked? Yeah, no, I, I, I wouldn't say that the Mavericks are a better team. I, I think the Clippers from top to bottom are a better team. Uh, but Luke is doing things right now to give his team a chance. They're the underdog team. They should be. Uh, but he's been so spectacular, he's given his, ch- his team a chance to win the series. But it does come down to the Clippers and I think their inability to stop this. Uh, they they look befuddled when he has the basketball. They haven't come up with a game plan yet. And then their inability to make shots. So uh, it will come down to probably a Clippers collapse uh, more than the greatness of Luka if Dallas does get this done. When I look at all this on paper, then, John, I mean, trying to move it forward, how how far can this Mavs team go with the formula that they currently have? Well, I mean, that remains to be seen. If, if they do get by, I, I don't think one player uh, can win multiple series. Maybe mm-hmm. you do get by in a first-round series, uh, but, you know, the competition ramps up. You're playing a better team, and uh, I would be hard-pressed to see if Luka could single-handedly uh, win the next series. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're talking to John Barry on the Goodyear Hotline ahead of Clippers-Mavs. Game 6, 8.30 Eastern, right here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Is Kawhi Leonard getting enough criticism for not being the superstar, superstar. A couple years ago, when he led the Raptors to victory, there was conversation about, is he the best player in the game? Is he better than LeBron? And it feels like his quiet nature allows him to slip under what a lot of other superstars would be hearing from in his inconsistencies in this series. Yeah, I think that's a bit unfair. I mean, he's averaging 30 points and shooting 57% from the field and just under 40 from three. Well, I mean, that's pretty good. Hey, 57%. <laughs> Decent. Well, it, it, yeah, it, it's a different role that he has. Look, Toronto knew it was it was going to be Kawhi Leonard. Anytime we needed something to be done, it was him. You have a Paul George here, right? I mean, you've got other players here, I think, that are more talented than what Toronto had that are capable of making plays. So it, it's just kind of a different role. And like you said, Kawhi's not out there beating his chest. Kawhi just goes about his business. Now, He's coming off a pretty poor game five. He was 7 of 19 in that ball game. Uh, I expect him to play extremely well uh, here this evening. And I think him guarding Luka early, uh, if he can have some success there, uh, instead of wearing him down, will probably make him even better on the offensive end. John, let's get to the real the real nitty-gritty here, man. Uh, like, I'm 5'9 and a quarter, not really very athletic, and I have <laughs> tiny hands, so I'm not a great dribbler. But I, I play, you know, I play with I a lot of heart. you play golf. How many, times, how many times you feed me the rock in a pickup game before you just decide I don't get to shoot anymore? Like, is it twice? Do I get, to, do I get two handles? Well, I have to scope you out while we're warming up. Right. Right. Yeah, if, I, if I'm unfortunate enough to get picked on your team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean hey, you're I'll several you, yeah. inches taller than Kirkshen, and he can he can handle the rock and get shots well, up. So it's not about your size; it's about your no, lack no. of skill. That's why I stressed my lack of athleticism <laughs> in my tiny me? hands. I, but hey. I play with a lot of heart. I mean, does that does that not count? <laughs> no, no. Timmy Kirkshen, I'll take him all day. Yeah, he can. He hoop, can man. shoot the rock, and <laughs> I'll, I'll give you an opportunity, Fitz. We'll give you a couple looks. If it doesn't happen, we'll move on. 
Uh, the one thing I can promise <laughs> you is fair. when I miss the shot, I won't look at you, tap my chest, and say my bad, because we all know it's my <laughs> bad. John, have a great call, man. We appreciate you hanging out with us, and thanks so much for your insight. All right, we'll see you all. The Weekend Preview brought to you by Bank of America. Customized cash reward credit card. You can earn 3% cash back on online shopping, making the essentials even more rewarding. Look, if I'm, not, I'm nothing if not self-aware, Sarah. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right, up next, you know what day it is. It's Friday. We're going to have a little Friday fun with you next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It's Spain and Fitz on a Friday. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, a short show tonight. As we take you into Clippers-Mavs Game 6, 8.30 Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Also, don't forget, tune into an AL battle tomorrow as the Blue Jays host the Astros. Coverage begins at 2.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz, like I said, it's Friday. That's right, it's a Friday. We're leading you into some NBA hoops. Got a big weekend. Big tailgate at the Red Stars game tomorrow. Lots of friends in town to party with me. It's going to be 90 degrees, so who is right? A hot, hot one to borrow. Uh, And it's time to get a little hot with something we like to do on Fridays. We should always do sports tinder in this voice. Uh, While you guys are at home swiping, making bad decisions, we're doing the same here. I hate it. I hate it too much. We're doing the same here. We are asking ourselves questions, sports-related or otherwise. We're swiping up if we super like it. We're swiping right if we agree. Swipe left if we disagree. If we hate it, we swipe down. And Fitz, I get the feeling we're going to agree on this one. Mm -hmm. I saw this take, and I went and I did the, like, cartoon. And I was like, did I read that right? And I indeed did. A hockey writer named Michael Trakos typed this and then hit send. Things I'll never understand. Adult cyclists who wear a bike helmet. So, Fitz, do you think people should keep their brains inside their skull? Yeah, so uh, to the answer of whether or not they should wear the helmet, I'm going to swipe up. Like, there's no yeah. no question about yeah. this. Swipe uh, up. Super like. There's the sexy voice I need in my life. Uh, look, th- th- there is no limit to the stupidity of the concept of why somebody wouldn't wear it. I don't even ride, ride a bike, and I could look at it and be like, if I ever get on a bike, <laughs> I'm wearing one, maybe two helmets, because the last thing I need is to dent my pretty maker. Like that, My money maker here is all pretty. <laughs> your pretty maker. It's It was such a lie, you couldn't even spit out the yeah, phrase, you're, right? You're right. You're Right. Uh, I'm also going to swipe up. Swipe up. Super like. Yeah, you should keep your brains in your skull. Uh, the worst <laughs> part of this is that he didn't actually just take the L when he was reminded that there's very good reason to wear a bike, including some people I know tweeting him, hey, you know, one time I got doored and the door cracked my helmet, which would have been my head if I didn't have a helmet on. No, he responded to things like, I avoid cars when I'm on my bike. Thanks. Wow. Maybe don't fall. And then they ask about wearing helmets for hockey. Contact? Yes. Pond hockey? Nope. I know how to skate. I also know how to bike. Wow. Okay. Wow. Just Later, that's a level of, you can't fix that level After of many, many, many responses. Sorry for the earlier tweet regarding bike helmets. I meant I don't understand why adults who know how to ride a bike choose to wear a helmet for those still learning to ride by all means buckle up and stay safe he is either a gigantic moron one of those stubborn dudes that knows he's wrong and is just like i refuse to admit i was wrong or he's trolling and no matter what it is michael tracos i've had about enough okay i have had about enough that is enough michael 
I'm I'm just shook, Sarah. Like yeah, the entire I don't, thing, like I'm shook. I, I, don't I got know. I got nothing yeah. to that other than like that. Yeah, everything about him seems like a jerk. So we're not friends anymore, yeah. Michael. And I don't want anything karmically to happen to him. I'm just saying you've set yourself up for you know bad things to happen if you go out on a bike ride and you fall or get hit by a door or a car because now you've set it up that that would be impossible for you because you were so skilled. Anyway, fun, continuing on with sports Tinder, let's get to a more upbeat story, a heartwarming story, some good news for former NFL tight end Greg Olson. He revealed that his eight-year-old son was in need of a heart transplant and then revealed that they've found a match. His son, TJ, who has battled heart issues since birth, was having heart transplant surgery today. He's been documenting TJ's health journey on his Instagram and today posted a photo as they said that today is a day of mixed emotions. A day we have prayed for has arrived. We were alerted last night that there was a donor match for TJ to receive his heart transplant Walking our little boy with tears of hope and fear in our eyes is one of the toughest moments of our lives. We asked for everyone's prayers for TJ, um, and he went on. And so great news. Not going to ask a question about it. I think we could all agree it's great news. Um, but really also impressive to share that battle publicly. I think there's probably a lot of people that are going to gain strength from seeing the family rally around their son. Just a quick reminder to everybody, take a look and make sure that you've updated your license to make you an mm-hmm. organ donor if you can be, because it can save a lot of lives. So just completely to you know, agree. throw that out. Completely agree. Uh, moving on in sports Tinder, it's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Interesting and strange story. We've kind of not scratched below the surface, I think, yet of Vanessa Bryant's decision to end the Kobe Bryant contract with Nike. And now there's another angle to it. She is now claiming that there was an unauthorized shoe honoring her late daughter, Gianna Bryant, that she was designing and working on the Mambasita shoe in an exclusive black and white colorway on Kobe's shoe. And that it was not approved to be manufactured or sold, that they shelved the plans because she did not re-up her late husband's contract with Nike after 18 years. It ended in April and she was going to move out and do something on her own. And now somehow people have their hands on these shoes that were designed for her daughter and she doesn't know how they leaked or got out. So um, Fitz, you know, I guess the sports Tinder question is, should anybody who has those shoes feel pretty terrible about them, no matter how they got them? Yeah, that's a swipe up on that. Like, there's a, a spot. Swipe up. Where, super know, like. So much of this is super collectible, but you also got to look and say, okay, what am I collecting? What's it mean? And what's it mean to the people that were lost in that process? Like, you know, morality has to matter at some level. So I, I would be all, like, if a pair of those landed on my doorstep somehow, that's the, that's the pair you return. Yeah, I'm going to swipe up as well. And Swipe up. Super like. I guess there's a lot of question marks around the people who got them, one of whom was Chris Middleton, wearing them in game four against Miami, right? Mm. How does a Bucks professional player end up in these shoes? And why is BR Kicks, the Bleacher Report Kicks site, releasing a look at the shoe and saying they're going to be released later this year? I mean, this seems like a massive fail on Nike's end or her end or between the two of them and lack of communication. I don't know how that happens without everybody being on board. Yeah, and everybody needs to get on board quickly because when you're putting out this sort of a significant shoe in the honor of uh, Gianna, like you, you just have to be more careful about yeah. every process. You can't mess that up. Very strange. Very strange. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're doing sports Tinder. Speaking of very strange, uh, the end of Ben Zobrist's baseball career was just that. He took some time off during which it was revealed that he and his wife were going through a divorce. 
They had often spoken about their the chaste beginnings to their relationship, had bonded and connected over shared religious beliefs, and were incredibly tied together. He you know, would get up to bat to one or two of her songs. She's a singer. And it was shocking to all when they decided to get divorced, and even more shocking that he stepped away from the Cubs and his career ended because of it. Well, now, add on top of that, he's apparently selling his World Series ring. In fact, someone at the uh, Heritage Auction said the ring had already been sold by him, and that person who bought it is now selling it. The Cubs had a rule that if you had the desire to get rid of it, they would have the right to buy it back for a dollar via a contract all the players signed. So, Fitz, is Zobrist in the wrong here? Yeah, I'm going to swipe up on being in the wrong with that Swipe up. Super like. like. There's a system in place, and it's still strange to me to to think your life gets to the point that you sell that ring. I just hope everything's okay for him. Yeah, I'm going to swipe up as well. I... Again, Swipe that contract, up. Super like. it was a little bit you know, strict at the time, but I think there was obviously a reason for the team to not want this to be about just selling, and I do hope everything's okay. Very strange move for him, not too long after that World Series ring was won, but you know, if you want to send it my way, I've got a dollar. I'll buy it. Clippers <laughs> and Mavs, coming up next. Everybody enjoy your weekend. Happy Friday! Woohoo! Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.